This is The Space Shot, episode 268, for February 6th, 2018. From a severe strain on credulity to the first flight of the Falcon Heavy, I'm John Mulnix. Let's start off today with an editorial that was published in the New York Times 98 years ago. This piece was published on January 13, 1920, and it focused on Dr. Goddard's work, specifically the possibility of using rockets to explore the moon and beyond. I'm going to read the editorial here in honor of the first flight of the Falcon Heavy, and also to illustrate how much popular opinion has changed in the ensuing century. From the New York Times, quote, A severe strain on credulity. As a method of sending a missile to the higher and even to the highest part of the Earth's atmospheric envelope, Professor Goddard's multiple-charge rocket is a practicable and therefore promising device. Such a rocket, too, might carry recording instruments to be released at the limit of its flight, and conceivably parachutes would bring them safely to the ground. It is not obvious, however, that the instruments would return to the point of departure. Indeed, it is obvious that they would not, for parachutes drift exactly as balloons do. And the rocket, or what was left of it after the last explosion, would have to be aimed with amazing skill and in a dead calm to fall on the spot whence it started. But that is a slight inconvenience, at least from the scientific standpoint, though it might be serious enough from that of the always innocent bystander a few hundred or thousand yards away from the firing line. It is when one considers the multiple charge rocket as a traveler to the moon that one begins to doubt, and looks again, to see if the dispatch announcing the professor's purposes and hopes says that he is working under the auspices of the Smithsonian Institution. It does say so, and therefore the impulse to do more than doubt the practicability of such a device for such a purpose must be well controlled. Still, to be filled with uneasy wonder and to express it will be safe enough, for after the rocket quits our air and really starts on its longer journey, its flight would be neither accelerated nor maintained by the explosion of the charges it then might have left. To claim that it would be is to deny a fundamental law of dynamics, and only Dr. Einstein and his chosen dozen, so few and fit, are licensed to do that. That Professor Goddard with his chair in Clark College and the countenancing of the Smithsonian Institution does not know the relation of action to reaction and of the need to have something better than a vacuum against which to react, to say that would be absurd. Of course, he only seems to lack the knowledge ladled out daily in high schools. But there are such things as intentional mistakes or oversights, and as it happens, Jules Verne, who also knew a thing or two in assorted sciences and had, besides, a surprising amount of prophetic power, deliberately seemed to make the same mistake that Professor Goddard seems to make. For the Frenchman, having got his travelers to or toward the moon into the desperate fix of riding a tiny satellite of the satellite, saved them for circling it forever by means of an explosion, rocket fashion, where an explosion would not have had in the slightest degree the effect of releasing them from their dreadful slavery. 
that was one of Verne's few scientific slips, or else it was a deliberate step aside from scientific accuracy, pardonable enough in him as a romancer, but its like is not so easily explained when made by a savant who isn't writing a novel of adventure. All the same, if Professor Goddard's rocket attains sufficient speed before it passes out of our atmosphere, which is a thinkable possibility, and if its aiming takes into account all of the many deflective forces that will affect its flight, it may reach the moon. That the rocket could carry enough explosive to make on impact a flash large and bright enough to be seen from the Earth by the biggest of our telescopes, that will be believed when it's done. Again, that editorial was from January of 1920. All I can say about that editorial is, our understanding of rockets has changed quite a bit in that past 100 years. Obviously, rockets do work in a vacuum. Also, the amazing skill and dead calm needed to, quote, fall on the spot whence it started is pretty close to what SpaceX has been able to do with the Falcon 9. Instead of just letting the rocket fall and crash, SpaceX has been able to land and recover the first stages of their Falcon 9 rocket so they can be used again. Today will hopefully be the day that the Falcon Heavy lifts off Pad 39A for the first time. Once it flies, Falcon Heavy will be the most powerful operational rocket in the world. The three cores of the Falcon Heavy produce a prodigious amount of thrust, with 27 engines that can put out over 5 million pounds of thrust. The two side cores are both flight-proven for this maiden test flight of the Falcon Heavy. These side cores supported the TICOM-8 launch in May of 2016, and the CRS-9 launch in July of 2016. The center core is a new piece of hardware. All three cores will come back to land, the side cores landing at landing zones 1 and 2, while the center core will continue on and land on the autonomous drone ship, Of Course I Still Love You, which will be stationed downrange in the Atlantic Ocean. The payload for today's launch is a midnight cherry red Tesla Roadster that belongs to Elon Musk. While some people have been upset that the payload is something that's seemingly meaningless, usually mass simulators are just concrete or steel blocks, so the Tesla's a little bit cooler. Inside the Tesla, SpaceX is also launching a space-suited dummy that's sitting in the driver's seat. I'm linking to the Instagram posts from Elon Musk showing the spacesuit in the Tesla. Jeff Faust with SpaceNews.com has an article up that details some of the changing plans for SpaceX that were announced in the past few days. Specifically, SpaceX will not be flying crewed missions on Falcon Heavy. Instead, they're going to be focusing those efforts on the Big Falcon rocket. That link is up first in the show notes, so be sure to give it a read. Today is also the anniversary of Alan Shepard hitting two golf balls on the lunar surface. Check out yesterday's episode, number 267, in case you missed it. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review on iTunes. If you do that, screenshot it and send it to me at John Mulnick's pretty much everywhere on the internet, and I'll send you a space shot sticker and a little thank you. Also, when you're in your podcast app of choice, make sure you hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss any of the daily episodes. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. 
you can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or click one of the links in the show notes. Tomorrow, we go untethered. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.